morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today as we conclude our series called Life After Life. If you're a guest visiting with us and you came on the last week of this series, you can always go online to solacechurch.com and you can get caught up uh, if this series is of interest to you. Thank you for being here today. If you're watching online at solacechurch.com, I'm glad you chose to join us today uh, wherever you are in the world. As we continue the series today, I want to I conclude by answering the question, what will we be doing in heaven? What will we be doing in heaven? This entire series has been about understanding what life after this life will be like. We've talked uh, this whole series about understanding, uh, for instance, when Jesus is coming back. And the one thing we don't know for sure is when he's going to come back. But we do know he's going to return. And the, and the greatness of this series is based on this reality that what Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection has given us incredible hope and actually great comfort, no matter what we're facing today, to know that no matter how difficult life may be here, that there is a promise of a life to come that is free from those difficulties, free from that pain, free from that suffering, and ultimately free from sin. And I'm thankful today for Jesus because he makes all the difference when we talk about life after life. This series has done something for your pastor. This series has made me also think about my own existence and my own journey. I am 38. I am neither young nor old. I am in the middle. And what I'm discovering about 38 is that your body doesn't function the way that you want it to function. But it's not as bad as it's going to be. So I am in the middle ground. I get it. And I've been thinking a lot about my own existence. I've been thinking about how I'm living my life, how I'm conducting my life. I'm thinking about the moment that I stand before God and give an account of my life. It's mattered to me. And I want to do my best to honor Christ in this life. I thought, I thought a lot about my own existence, as I said. I've learned at 38 that I can kind of grow a beard. But I've also learned that this beard has to go December 1st. The most important person in my life, my wife, has said, nah, no go. So it's gone December 1st, maybe sooner. I'm going to cross over. I'm going to take a step from this life into the life to come. What would it be like? Last week, we talked about the physical reality of the new heavens and the new earth. And one of the things that I hope that you, that you thought about and received more than anything else is that in the world to come, it is not a step into a spiritual, unknown realm. It is a step into a physical world. There is, there is physical dimension. There, there are physical features to this world. There is a city, and you can measure the city. It's 1,400 by 1,400 by 1,400. You can measure it out. There are physical walls and physical streets, and there are, there are parks and rivers and trees that exist, and that is just in the city itself. And beyond the city walls and beyond, outside the gates, there are, there's a country to explore, and there are worlds to explore. This is the world in which we will exist. What we didn't have time for last week is to understand us, who we will be, what we will be like in the world to come. And so for the next few minutes, I have 30-something questions that I'll be answering for you. 
That's right, 30 plus questions in about 30 minutes. This ought to be fun. If you're writing things down, good luck. <laughs> My guess is you won't keep up. You can always go back online and watch it this, last, this next week if you need to. Let's talk about us for a couple of minutes. What will we be like? And so the first question just to consider is what will our bodies be like? I'm not going to have us point to any one verse of Scripture today because Scripture from cover to cover gives us some indications. And so let me just give you a sense of what we understand from Scripture. What our bodies will be like is quite impressive. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 gives us an indication. He says basically that what is sown is perishable. In other words, when we leave this version of our body, it's sown a perishable body. But when Jesus comes back and we are raised from the dead, it is raised a, an imperishable body, one that cannot, in, 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 in the sense of being with God, ever cease to exist in the presence of God. It is sown in dishonor, that it, it is full of sin, and it is wrecked by a sinful world, but it is raised in honor. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. There is a direct correlation between the body we have now and the body that we will receive but the disconnect is this one is, is sown in the midst of sin. The other will be raised in victory without sin. And that is the promise we see. Our bodies will be resurrected. And so we see a glimpse of what that body will look like in Jesus when he walks the earth after his resurrection. He walks with his disciples. He engages in conversation with them. We see, we see that he eats with them. We see that he, he has the ability to actually have a physical presence on the earth. He is recognizable by his disciples, although it takes him a little while to be able to fully realize who he is. He's so recognizable that Thomas himself, after seeing Jesus resurrected, says, My Lord and my God. Jesus in his resurrected form. And so our bodies will be raised imperishable and with power. The next question, will we, will we be unique? The answer is absolutely we will be unique. And the reason why we will be unique is because God made us unique from the very beginning. Remember, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we are knitted together in our mother's womb. We are uniquely created by God and that uniqueness will never go away. It is God's great gift to you that he has never created anyone like you and he will never again create someone like you. You are unique in all of his creation and that will never fade in his presence. We're so unique that he will give us an individual unique and special name that's only known between me and the Father. It is unique relationship with Him. You will be you, and I will be me. One of the, one of the great misunderstandings uh, in, our ta- in our day and time is that some would believe that we would all just kind of be absorbed into this big, you know, ball of power and majesty and might. Not at all the case. You will be you, and I will be me. Be me, be me. Next question. Will we have ethnic and national identities? Now, again, this is a little bit of a misunderstanding of what what Paul tells us about our relationship with God. Paul does teach us that in Christ there's neither uh, Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male nor female. And that is all true, and you'll see why that's, uh, that's important in just a moment. But what Paul is not suggesting is that when we go into heaven, that we won't be who we actually are. Will we be known as, I'm from America? I don't know if that will be the way that plays out. 
But we do know that in the world to come, there are nations and there are kings. And kings will come in and out of the new Jerusalem. And they will do business. We'll see that in just a moment as well. In the new Jerusalem. So I think nationalities and ethnicity actually continues to remain once we step into the world to come. But we will not see the kinds of divides in the world to come. Because as we'll see in a moment, there's no reason to divide. We are under one kingdom and we have one citizenship, which is our citizenship in heaven. What language will we speak? Another great question. What language will we speak? I believe that we will retain our ability to speak our native tongue or our national language. I think I'll still be speaking English in heaven. What's, what's interesting to me is that while I'll retain the ability to speak in English, I think it would be fascinating to be able to learn every language known to man that might exist in the world to come. One of the problems that we have in our understanding of the new heavens and the new earth is that we confuse infinity and eternity. And those two words are not the same. Infinity is what we, de- what we declare about God. He is boundless. He is infinite, almost without good descriptive words, infinite. We are not infinite. We are finite. We will be eternal. That means that we will exist in the presence of God forever, but we are not infinite, meaning we are a complete being like God is. In other words, you're not God, nor am I. So the idea of us being able to learn new languages is a wonderful gift. I love the fact that we can continue to learn even when we're in the presence of God. So will we speak our native tongue? I think it's possible. Remember, though, one of the great, uh, the great uh, 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 opportunities in the world to come is that it's very possible that we might be able to communicate with one another not just through our words, but also through thoughts. Remember, in the world to come, your thoughts are not corrupt, nor are they shameful or should be hidden. Rather, being exposed is not a bad thing in the world to come. Next question, will we become angels? No, we will not become angels. Angels are a unique creation in in God's created order. They are unique beings, and we will not become angels. Sorry to disappoint some of you. We will not grow wings in heaven. Not going to happen. But we will still be able to fly. But we will not be angels. Angels are a uniquely created order. Angels don't become humans. Humans don't become angels. They will stay unique and separated in the, in the next world to come in the 3.0 version of ourselves. So you're not going to be an angel. You'll still be you. Will we have emotions? The answer to that question is yes. You will absolutely have emotions. God gave us a gift called our emotional being, our emotional self, and it is a great gift that will not be taken away from us. We will still be able to laugh at funny jokes. We still will be able to smile when we see something that is rewarding. We still will have a sense in and of ourselves, a feeling, a sense of satisfaction. That's not going away. Uh, We will have a sense of awe and wonder at God. We will be blown away at his majesty and his greatness. That's an emotion that we will feel. We will not have negative sense of emotion because, as we'll talk about in a minute, uh, sin will not affect us, but we still will have emotions. Will we have desires? Absolutely we'll have desires. You'll have a desire to eat. You'll have a desire to drink. You'll have a desire to worship. You'll have a desire to interact. You'll have a desire to go explore the world in which God has given us. You will still have desires that drive us. We will not have desires that are corrupt or sinful. No lust, no greed, no pride, no selfishness, none of those things. But there will be things that drive us called desires. And desires in and of themselves are not bad. They are actually quite good. 
Next question. Will we all have beautiful bodies? Yes, we will. But not like you might think. In this nation, we have honored a certain body style and type above all else. But I want you to know that that's actually changing right now, in our, right before our very eyes. At one point, women were becoming anorexic to try to meet a standard that we were setting on them as to how they were supposed to look. Thankfully, we're no longer creating that kind of standard, or at least it's shifting away from that. And I'm thankful for that. Right? There's kind of a new standard. And in other cultures throughout the world, our standard in America of beauty is not other people's standards. So I don't think we should project on, on, uh, on the world or on 3.0 version what that should look like. In our world, you know, we're, we, we, we celebrate uh, hips and, and waistlines that are like this big like this. I don't think that's a celebration. We, we celebrate ripped bodies like mine, but I'm not so sure that that is necessary as well. And so it's, it, we're going to have beautiful bodies, but not necessarily as we might think in our world, right? Hank Kennegraph writes about this whole idea of the perfected DNA and, and he suggests that our bodies in a perfected DNA sense will arrive at an age somewhere between 20 and 30 which is when our DNA is, 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 is perfected at its fullness even in a fallen world uh, in which we live now. I don't know that that's exactly right but our bodies will be beautiful. They will be exactly as God designed them to be. Next question, will our bodies be perfect? It's a little bit of a different question. The answer to that question is yes. Free from handicap. Free from disability. Free from pain. Free from dysfunction. Free from lack. All of it will be there. And so our bodies will be perfect in that sense. Next question. Will we have gender? The answer to that question is yes as well. God made us male and female, and I don't believe we'll lose the ability to be recognized as male and female in heaven, although some of the dynamics will change, and you'll see that in just a moment. I believe we still will retain our gender as male and female in heaven. We'll be known as we are because we are, as I said, unique in the way God created us. So I think that there'll still be gender. I believe that, that Scripture indicates that as well. Will we wear clothes? Yes. I know that in Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve were naked. Those days are gone. We will wear clothes. And this actually is, is, uh, is, is, a, is a little bit of misunderstanding in Scripture. We see the martyrs in Revelation wearing white robes. And I think we kind of get the indication that all of us will just be walking around with white robes like ghosts. I don't think that's at all the case. I think we'll have a whole world wardrobe of clothes to be able to enjoy. I think fashion will still apply. We won't be jealous of one another. But I think your taste and what you enjoy to wear probably will be a part of your wardrobe when you get there. I have no problem believing that we'll have all kinds of different clothes to enjoy, not just a white blanket to put over us that lets us see, you know, one color throughout the whole kingdom. I think there'll be plenty of clothes and different clothes. The good news is no credit card debt. (laughs) Will we eat or drink? Yes. Absolutely, we will eat or drink. There there, there, There is food available in, in heaven and on the new earth, 
that will, that will surpass anything we can enjoy here. There's no doubt in my mind about that. We will eat and we will drink. It is a part of how God's created us. Remember, before the fall in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve were, were eating food. Now, there's some debate about what kind of food we'll eat. You know, if, we, if there's no death, then we'll be able to eat meat. And I, <laughs> that's a tough place for me because the cheeseburger is what I live on. And so I don't know exactly how that's going to look in heaven. But yes, we'll absolutely eat. It'll be a part of God's great gift to us for us to be able to sit down and eat and drink and enjoy the benefit of that. Which leads to the next question. Will there, will there be feasts and parties? Absolutely there'll be feasts and parties. We will be able to throw parties. Let me ask you a question. Have you, ever, have you ever sit around just with some family or friends and just sit around and, man, you just roasted some, some, uh, some marshmallows on, the, on, a, on a fireplace or you just sit around and just ate together? Anyone? I mean, that is so rewarding. I think we'll be doing that and then some. Huge parties that represent multitudes of people, but small intimate gatherings as well of people just sitting around and enjoying a meal together. Isn't it great to be able to sit down with your family and friends and just over a meal just share life together? That's not going away. That's to be a part of our existence for sure in the world to come. Next, will we be capable of sinning? Absolutely not. Satan and, his, and all his demonic forces are thrown into the lake of fire. There will be no sin whatsoever. And so while we'll be, uh, we'll be our perfect selves, our glorified selves, we will not be capable of sinning in the world to come. And everyone could say amen to that. It's a huge opportunity for us to be set free because of what Jesus has done for us. No longer any sin there, which leads to the next question, which is, will we remember our sins here? A great prophecy from Isaiah is, 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 is very relevant here. Isaiah tells us that we will no longer remember our sins. I, I don't believe in the world to come in the 3.0 version of ourselves that we'll have a sin memory. And the best way I can un- understand this in my own life is this. There are sins that I have committed in my life that I no longer remember. But it doesn't mean that I have forgotten that I am a sinner in need of Jesus who is my Savior. And I think in a very real way, when we enter into that world, we will always appreciate what Jesus has done for us without having to relive every sin that we have committed for all of eternity. We will never forget what Jesus has done for us. But I don't think we'll have a sin memory when we enter into the 3.0 version of ourselves. Next question, will we know everything? No, we won't which is a great gift to you and a great gift to me. If you walked into the city of Jerusalem on the first day, God said you are now forever with me forever and you know everything, that would actually be quite boring. God is infinite and it will take us an eternity to get to know an infinite God who will continue to reveal himself through all of eternity for us. We will learn and learn and learn for all of our existence. And for those of you who love to learn like me, this is a great gift from God, not a curse from God. I'm thankful that I will continually be able to know more and more about God as the time progresses. Will there be books to read? Yes. Absolutely there will be books to read. Some of you in the room are like, well, that's terrible news. I hate reading. You don't have to read. I'm not telling you God's going to demand you do your homework, but rather there's an opportunity for you to continue to learn and discover through the reading of books 
that will be available, which leads to this next question. Will we write new books? I think the answer to that question is yes. There will be those, I think, who are gifted authors who will be writing new books in the world to come. I have no problem believing that our ability to continue to create new things in the world to come will cease. God is infinitely creative, and he's given us the ability to create. I have no problem believing that some will continue to write books and we'll be able to read those new books when we spend our eternity there in heaven. Next, will we rest? Yes, because rest is glorious. But we won't need to rest because we're tired, because we're fatigued. In Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve are called to work, which we'll see in a moment. But work only became difficult when the fall takes place in Genesis 3. It was the curse given to Adam and Eve that work will be difficult. We won't rest because we're tired. We'll rest because it is awesome to sit down. Have you ever, have you ever been to the mountains and just, just parked for a moment and just, uh, just, just spanned, just looked throughout the mountain ranges and just soaked in the glory of God? Have you ever done that? You ever laid out on a beach before? And just stop for a moment. One of God's great blessings for us, even here and now, is that we can be still and know that he is God. And when we are there and when we rest, we will have a moment to take in all of God's glorious creation. We'll rest, but not because we're tired. Will we sleep? Yes, I think we'll sleep. Again, some of you are discouraged, but that's because you get poor sleep. If you have kids in the home, this is a curse. Because you know, no, no such thing as good sleep when you have kids who need you. I have no problem believing that in the world to come, that the, the rhythms of life will not be so much different than they were in Genesis 1 and 2. Remember, there was morning and the evening the first day. I have no problem believing that there will be a pattern and a cycle and a rhythm to our life. We work best in rhythms and cycles, and I don't believe that God would just take us from that. Will we need to sleep because we're exhausted? No, but sleep may very well be a blessing that God may give us even in the world to come. It will certainly not be a part of the curse. Next question, will we work? Yes, we will work. God created us to be productive. That will not go away. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were called to to rule the earth and subdue it. And that will not go away in the world to come. Fellas, if you thought heaven was a place you don't want to go, you'll be able to be productive in the world to come. God gave you, as Joe Grizzle once said, the success manual. And I know that an idea of going into heaven and just kind of just doing nothing for all of your existence seems weird and non-productive. You will work in achieve. You'll just be working and achieving for a whole different set of reasons than you may be now. You'll still be productive. Will our work be engaging? Yes. Absolutely our work will be engaging. We will recognize that we are a part of the kingdom of God. We'll recognize that we are citizens in this incredible world uh, that God has created for us and we, our work will be engaging. There'll be a satisfaction that happens in the heart and life of those who are productive, male and female, all of us together. We'll be working, and we'll be working without sin. It will be fully satisfying. Next question about work I think is interesting. Will our life's work continue? In other words, will the skills and abilities God gave you right now translate into the world to come? I think the answer to that question is yes, with some limitations. Remember, you are uniquely Gifted, uniquely fashioned together. That unique fashion does not go away in the world to come. I think you'll be able to use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you here also in the world to come, with a couple of exceptions. Those of you who are in the medical world, we don't need you. 
But it doesn't mean you won't be productive in other ways. I'm out of a job when Jesus comes back. I'm going to have to find something else to do. The gospel's gone as far as it can go. Jesus has come back. New work for me. But it doesn't mean that I will lose myself and my gifts and abilities. Many people want to know if I'll receive new gifts and abilities. Maybe you look at yourself and you say, I'm not sure I got all the gifts and abilities that I want. I don't know about that. God is certainly able to gift you and, and give you new abilities, but we don't have any promise that that's going to be the case. Maybe some of you want to play the piano and you can't now. Will you be able to play in heaven? I don't know. I don't know, maybe. But certainly there won't be a disconnect. We'll still continue to be productive in and of ourselves. Will there be trade in business? I think the answer to this question is yes as well. And for some of you, this might be troubling because you look in our world and see so much corruption and so much greed and so much distortion inside of trade and business. Please hear me. There's nothing sinful about business or trade or an economy. It's sinful when we corrupt it. Trade and business is not corrupt. People are corrupt, and that's the problem. But in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no corruption nor sin. So trade and business and activity and economies will not be negative. They'll actually be a great positive And cities exist and nations exist to do this kinds of business. Will there be technology and machinery? I've already answered this last week, but it's worth saying again, I have no problem believing that we'll be able to operate with all kinds of new technologies. There'll be an iPhone 27,000. Maybe. Will we have our own homes? Yes. Where will they be? I don't know. I think there'll be homes in the city for those of you who love city life. If you want your house right next to someone else, then that is great. If you want to live in a high rise, then I think you'll get a chance to do that. If you want to live in a log cabin, I see no reason why God wouldn't allow you to have a log cabin to live in. If you want to live in a cottage out in the countryside, I have no problem believing your home would be somewhere on the countryside. Maybe, just maybe, God would allow us to build our own. Three of you would like that. The rest of us would be like... It's a bad idea. I don't have that, I don't have that gift. It looked pretty, pretty weak. No, we know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, certainly. There are many rooms, and I believe we'll all have our own homes. Will we be married? Jesus answers this question for us. He's asked a question about marriage, and Individual comes up to him and says, okay, here's the scenario. This woman's been married a couple of different times. When we get into heaven, who will she be married to? And Jesus said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding what the new heavens are going to be like. There is no marriage as you understand it here on earth. Husbands and wives in relationship that we experience now will not exist in the world to come. And some of us are really discouraged by that. I understand that. And I am also one of those individuals as well. I love my wife dearly, and I, I would have no problem spending my eternity with her in our own home together. Jesus just doesn't paint that picture for us. There is one marriage in heaven. It's the marriage between Jesus who is the groom and the bride of the church who will be reunited with him. That is the marriage that will take place. And here's, here's, here's what I understand. Whatever we might, we might miss about marriage here, God through Jesus is going to give us an intimacy with him that supersedes and far outweighs whatever intimacy we get to enjoy here. Which leads us to the next question, what about sex? 
There will be no sex as we know it here in the new heavens and the new earth as far as I understand it from Scripture. Sex is designed for a husband and wife in a marriage covenant relationship. And and it's for procreation and pleasure. And I don't see in heaven that there will be any procreation or repopulating the planet. God has reserved for himself a people who has, by faith, placed their faith in him. And so I don't see that as a part of the new creation. And I know that some of you might be very discouraged by that. And here's my only encouragement. That whatever God would allow not to exist in the world to come that might be good here. There is no doubt that it will be greater and then some in the world to come with whatever we feel like might be lacking here. That's why Paul could say that, 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 that no ear has heard and no mind can conceive all that God has prepared for those who love him. Don't be discouraged by anything that might seem lacking, for we will never feel lack in heaven. A couple of more. Will we develop new relationships in heaven? Yes. Again, you will not know all the, the billions of people that will be in heaven. You won't know them all. You will absolutely develop new relationships. Actually, for someone like me who needs new relationships and who can't wait to meet my next best friend, it will be quite depressing to go in and go, I know all you already. It's actually going to be wonderful to be able to develop and discover new relationships in heaven. Next, will I play with animals? Yes. Isaiah prophesies for us that the lion and the lamb will lay down together and that children will pick up cobras and they will not be harmed by them. This is a picture of the interaction of the animal kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. Absolutely, we'll be able to engage with animals. Actually, it'll be much, much better and more full as we engage with animals. Some scholars have suggested that before Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, that Adam could communicate with, an, with the animal kingdom, almost like the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've seen that, that, kind of, uh, that, that, that series. I don't know for sure if that's the case, but there certainly is interaction with animals in the world to come, and that's a great gift from God, right? So, so what's, what, what, the, what the difference will be, though, is we live in a fallen world now where there's en- enmity between almost the animal kingdom and, 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 and humanity. That will not exist in the world to come. Will we be able to communicate with animals, as some scholars suggested? I don't know for sure, but maybe, maybe it's a good idea because if I'm going to handle a cobra, I want to make sure we're okay before we do that. We good? Okay. Just checking. Will we be bored? Never. Never. Will there be cultural developments? Yes. If there are nations and we serve a creative God, I have no problem believing that there will continue to be cultural developments that we'll be able to enjoy. All of God's creative, uh, creative wisdom is not going to stop in the new heavens and the new earth. I believe there will continue to be developments in cultures, and that's a wonderful gift. Again, sin is the problem here with culture, and that will be removed. I have no problem believing there will be cultural developments. Next, will we sing and dance? Yes, we will. Before the throne room of God, there is a constant celebration of who God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty will be a song played over and over again. We will sing with the chorus of the multitudes God's greatness. As much as we enjoy singing in this room together about God's greatness, it will be exponentially greater in the presence of God as we sing choruses and songs about his glory and his greatness. There will be southern gospel music. There will be modern, contemporary Christian music. There may be country music in heaven. There will not be heavy metal. I don't know. Maybe there will be heavy metal. I'm not sure. Maybe there will be heavy metal. But we will celebrate. You will sing in the streets. You will sing in your home. 
You will sing in the shower. Will we tell stories? Yes, we'll tell stories. Yes, we'll tell stories. Yes, we'll talk about our day. Yes, we'll talk about our lives. Yes, we'll talk about what we saw, what we experienced, what we discovered. You bet we'll tell stories. Will we play? Absolutely, we'll play. We'll play. We'll enjoy one another's company. Will we play sports? Yeah. Absolutely. We'll throw horseshoes together. You won't get a ringer every time. But you won't cuss because you didn't get a ringer. (laughs) Will you play golf? I think so. But you won't get a hole in one every single time. And you won't throw your clubs. Will we experience thrills like roller coasters? I think yes. For those of you who don't like roller coasters, you can stay off the roller coasters, but it's going to be quite challenging to travel from here to Mars or here to another galaxy. I'm just saying. I want to embrace that God's going to create incredible thrills within our lives. There's nothing sinful about that. It's wonderful to be overwhelmed by something in a moment. Last question, will we travel and explore? You bet we will. We'll explore the grandeur and greatness of God's created new creation, excuse me, and we will see it as it is and we will enjoy every square inch and mile of this incredible creation. You will not be limited to just the city. You will explore the entirety of his created order. That's what we'll be doing. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes to us some incredibly encouraging words. Words that give us great hope even in the here and now. So for a moment, would you do this with me? Would you just just close your eyes? You don't have to bow your head. You can lift your head back or put it down or you can put your hands in your, your head in your hands or whatever you want to do. But just for a moment, I want the word of God just to be spoken so that you may hear Paul's words of encouragement as we conclude this series. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.